If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. Today, we bring our ride guide to Tomorrowland and talk about three classic attractions that you might want to consider riding. Find all episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate a positive review. You can also see our podcast in video form at YouTube.com slash at DisneyDeciphered. If you'd like to support the podcast monetarily, you can check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, where you'll receive bonus content. Or you can also support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Let me help you do all the hard work for planning your Disney vacation by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions, email us disneydeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So on today's episode, we're going to continue our ride guide series, going to try something we've never done before, three in one episode, Leslie, but uh, these, you'll see why uh, these should be shorter attractions overall. But uh, before we get started, Leslie, we do have some Patreon subscribers to shout out and thanks. So who do we have to thank today, Leslie, and what is Patreon? All right, so we are thanking today David E. and Jackie M., our newest uh, Patreon supporters. You can find and support the podcast on patreon.com slash Disney Decipher. Just lots of different levels to support us at. We give you bonus content, private Facebook group, all of that kind of fun stuff. And we really, really do appreciate our supporters. Thank you so much for making this podcast possible for five years. Wow. Yes. Thank you so much. And uh, if you are listening to this and you're a Patreon subscriber, I hopefully have already been to Walt Disney World. Uh, We're trying to get a bunch of episodes recorded before I get out there, but we'll see. You know, you never know these days. You still never know. But uh, yes, we are doing Ride Guide today and we are going to be back in the Magic Kingdom in Tomorrowland. And so we are going to do three attractions today in alphabetical order, not by uh, order of preference. Astro Orbiter, Carousel of Progress, or Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress, excuse me. Oh, whoops. Then it's not of alphabetical order, but vernacular alphabetical order. And then finally, the People Mover, which, Leslie, I did not realize they just updated the name a few months ago or half a year ago, I guess, at this point. But we'll get to all of that. Let's get straight to it. Oh, for those of you who have not listened to our Ride Guide series before, we're just going to talk to you a little bit about the attractions, what you need to know if you're thinking of taking your kids or adult friends on these attractions. And we'll also talk about how you can minimize your wait time in line. And finally, we will give each attraction a tier ranking based on the Japanese system where S tier is the highest. And of course, F tier is still F tier. I still haven't gone to an F tier attraction yet. I'm not sure if we ever will, but uh, you never know. We'll have to see how this goes. So let's start with the Astro Orbiter, Leslie. Why don't you uh, 
tell us where's, I guess I already told us where it is, but where can we find it in Tomorrowland and the Magic Kingdom and talk to us a little bit about the history. All right, Tomorrowland, front and center, it's on top of Rocket Tower Plaza, so sort of above the fray of most of Tomorrowland, but you you honestly can't miss it. It's <laughs> the thing that everybody takes pictures of when they walk into Tomorrowland. And history-wise, it originally opened as Star Jets in 1974, and then in 94, a Tomorrowland retheme turned it into Astro Orbiter. And it's really funny, I don't remember this, because I went to Disney World quite a bit around like late 80s, early 90s, and I don't remember that old name at all or the retheme at all. So I guess not that memorable of an attraction, but a uh, height requirement for the ride is none. So this is one that you can take babies and toddlers on, and we'll talk about whether you want to in just a little bit. Yeah, I'm fairly certain that I brought a child onto this attraction in a carrier, uh, Baby Bjorn. Um, I don't even remember the brand. We did not get Baby Bjorn, but I don't remember the brand of Baby Carrier that we use. So, you know, you can go on there uh, with any age, although, yes, I don't know. I don't know if you want to. So let's uh, get to the premise uh, from Disney. They say, pilot a spaceship high in the sky amid a gleaming constellation of planets. Fun fact that I found in researching, thank you, Wikipedia, this ride of the Magic Kingdom does 11 rotations per minute and averages 1.2 million miles a year. Although, you know what? I think some of the more astronomically minded people will realize that that is not a lot of distance in space, but on Earth, that is quite a bit of distance. Now, let's talk about the attraction run through and let's get to the absolute worst part of the attraction, the queue, Leslie, what makes the queue so inefficient and just, I'm um, just shaking my head thinking about it. So you have to take an elevator to get up to where the ride is located. And that of course is incredibly inefficient. If you sort of know elevators for, you know, any building, but for a ride, very inefficient as well. And I have to admit right now, full disclosure, I don't think I've been on Astro Orbiter as an adult, like it has been many, many, many years, probably many decades since I have ridden this attraction. I don't even have like bad or, or fond memories of the elevator um, from my rides over the years. Well, I've been on it a few times in the last few years. And let me tell you, like it is not only the same slow loading that you would expect of any elevator, but they're counting you as you go in. So there's a delay in that. And then like everyone has to get in. And so they thankfully, thankfully there are two elevators. So there's one going up and one going down, but it is just such an inefficient process. And we'll get to the ride capacity of this attraction later, but spoiler alert, it is incredibly low. Now for the ride run through, there's not much to run through. You know, there are 12 ships. Um, they look like rocket ships, kind of like what you would imagine the, attraction car version of bomb pops. Like they look like bomb pops, although they're not exactly colored the same way, but that's what they remind me of. You can only put two people in each and it takes a couple of minutes to load. And with the elevator and all that, like this attraction seats 300 people an hour, like in a good hour. I couldn't feel, find the number online, but that was just doing some quick back of the envelope math. And that is just a terrible ride capacity. And that's why there's always a line for this attraction, not because it's super popular. I mean, it's mildly popular, but it's because the attraction is just so inefficient in its loading. Now, Leslie, I wrote this down, so I didn't have to go looking it up again since I 
can never get the name of it, but this is your typical aerial carousel style ride. It's like Dumbo, Magic Carpets, uh, Triceratops Spin. Now, the big difference with Astro Orbiter from a lot of the other ones is that you start on, I, I like the way I think about it is you start on the third floor already. And then when the Astro Orbiter is twirling around, you get even higher. So this is one of the best views in the Magic Kingdom. And I think if you listen to our ride guides before, I'm really into the views. However, Leslie, you know, you haven't ridden it in a while. Let me tell you, it does not like these carousel style attractions. You normally think that they're just pretty chill and safe. Well, the way that these rockets angle is you're kind of tilted inwards at a slight angle. So you always feel like you are falling towards the center of the carousel. Uh, it definitely makes things a little bit more thrilling than a normal carousel style aerial attraction would be. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. And on top of that, these ride vehicles are very low. So they're like kind of tough to get in and out of as um, I, I think it's fair to say, Leslie, we have for firmly entered the middle age portion of our lives and it, it, it can be a little bit rough. So I, I don't fault you for not waiting in the line only to, you know, be on the most dangerous feeling aerial carousel style attraction that there is in Walt Disney World. Well, in, in all fairness, I have been on the Disneyland version of the ride more recently, although not in the last couple of years, not since the pandemic. And um, even, you know, in my 20s and 30s, uh, I remember climbing into these vehicles was incredibly awkward. And then, you know, yeah, you do have the tilt. Um when you're riding, which I think as, as we get older and enter more middle age is also not quite as comfortable of a ride for sure. when compared to something like Dumbo. So, you know, I, I guess I have experienced it. The ride is not exactly the same at Disneyland and, um, fun fact, the one at Disneyland is spelled Astro Orbitor with an O-R instead of an E-R. I don't know why. If someone knows, please we're write gonna us. We're going to be full of Disney December at gmail.com. Yeah. And we're going to be full of, uh, fun facts. Uh, today. I've written down multiple fun facts for some of these attractions. Now, who is this attraction for? I mean, it is a nice ride. Uh, if you enjoy views, if you like, if you can somehow angle your hand over the angle that uh, the rocket is forcing you in and get a picture of the Magic Kingdom, it is a really nice shot. It's a really nice view. It's really beautiful at night. I do think actually young kids really enjoy that attraction. My kids really enjoyed it when they wrote it. I think they like that little bit extra bit of thrill from being angled inwards and stuff like that. So I think a lot of people can ride this attraction. Really what's uh, holding it back is the wait time. Now, who might not want to ride this attraction besides people who don't want to wait, Leslie? Or is that all we got? Well, I think also people with certain physical limitations will have trouble getting in and out of the vehicles. That's something to sort of think about. You and I can still get in it, Joe, but like at what point in our lives will we not be able to? For how much longer, Leslie? <laughs> for how much longer? For sure. I mean, Matterhorn's uncomfortable enough for me, so uh, I'm not sure this one is going to be high on the list as, as I enter, um, you know, old age, AARP membership age. So we'll see. Indeed. All right, so... None of the attractions, like I said, have Genie Plus. This is one of those weird things. Not all attractions have Genie Plus accessibility. So none of these attractions have the Lightning Lane. I wonder actually how VIP tours do it. They must just cut the line or whatever, like actual line. But um, because there's no Genie Plus, it's all about standby strategy. And the standby line strategies for Astro Orbiter and really all these attractions, well, 
not maybe not the next one. It's pretty simple. Go early. It's open during early entry for on-site and Disney Partner Hotel guests. So early in the morning during early entry and really for the first hour, the lines are pretty modest. You're only going to wait like 10, 15 minutes. The last couple hours in the night, it also clears out a bit. If you can line up for fireworks and time that correctly, there's not a huge line then, although other people do have that idea. It's a great way to watch the fireworks, frankly. Otherwise, the line is pretty long throughout the rest of the day. And I guess long is not the right word, but the line is takes a long time. It's slow just because of the aforementioned uh, elevator problems. All right, let's get to our attraction review and tier. You know, what tier ranking would you give Astro Orbiters, Leslie? All right, I struggle with this one. I mean, C, I, I thought maybe I would go as low as a D, but I do think the views salvage it. And, you know, I do sort of still like the Tomorrowland theme, which is like, what tomorrow would have been if we were still in the seventies or eighties. <laughs> so it kind of has that feel, that throwback feel to me. So it gets a little bit of a boost from that, but it's a C, but just barely for me. What about you, Joe? Stay tuned for my fun fact in a little bit, but uh, yes, it is a C tier attraction for me as well. If they just built a flight of stairs, you know, like you have to have the elevators, right? There are people with mobility issues and we definitely want to make things accessible as possible, but not everyone has to ride the elevators. Although maybe they think the stairs is a liability or something, but they make us climb up the stairs to go and flight a passage and stuff like that. So no, it's, you know, they probably just don't have room to put stairs, put a ladder. We'll feel like we're getting into rockets. If we climb a ladder, no, don't put a ladder <laughs> Disney. That's very dangerous. A uh, quick question for you, Leslie, my understanding is that Disneyland actually, I saw where it was like, it does not have the view. So if we were talking about the Disneyland version, would you give it a D? Yeah, I mean, I, I really haven't been on that very often for as often as I go to Disneyland. Like, you know, I, I sort of understand why I've skipped it at Disney World, but it's it's crazy that I've skipped it as much as I have at Disneyland. But yeah, it doesn't have the views. But again, I mean, it's one that if I go with my kids, like they would enjoy that one, just like they would enjoy Dumbo. So for me as an adult, it's a D. For the kids, it's probably a C. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Moving on to our next attraction, which is Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress. Um, before we get to this, I wanted to give you a quick reminder that we are on YouTube now. You can check us out on youtube.com slash at Disney Deciphered. Also, if you're looking to plan a trip, you can find me, Joseph Chung, at travelmation.net. I'd love to help you plan your Disney trip. Leslie, where can people find your work? As always, I'm tripswithtikes.com and everywhere on social media at tripswithtikes. Uh, yes, you can find me at Azure Joe Flies on social media. But the reason why I put the plug in here today is because I actually want to plug another YouTube creator, John Sakari, who you may have heard on Diz Unplugged podcast before. He's also known as Big Fat Panda in the YouTube community. He has a lot of great ride videos. And I realized, Leslie, when we plan to do this ride guy video that we don't have like any footage of any of these attractions. So I just reached out to him and was like, Hey, you know, I just explained what was going on. You know, we just started on YouTube, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I was like, do you mind if we use some clips from your videos? And he graciously, um, without hesitation wrote back and said, absolutely. So just really want to shout out big fat Panda. You can find him on youtube.com slash at big fat Panda. And like I said, great 4k videos on his YouTube page. Thank you so much. John, for letting us use your videos. All right, so let's get to Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress, which I did not 
remember was called Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress until I did this research. Let's uh, talk about the background and uh, the history, Leslie. What we got here? All right. So the attraction debuted at the New York World's Fair, like many Disney attractions over the years, and it was called Progress Land. And the debut was at 1964, April 22nd. And it actually moved to Disneyland where it opened in 1967 as the Carousel of Progress. Then closed in 1973, relocated to Walt Disney World and opened there in 1975. And then finally, it got the Walt Disney name that you forgot in 1993 with a refurbishment and a change in theming. And the theming in this new sort of 1993 version is Tomorrowland, the future that never was, which like I just alluded to, makes more sense the more you think about it in terms of what Tomorrowland really feels like today. And, you know, of course, there have been minor updates over the years because it does depict, as we're going to talk about very shortly, you know, different scenes from points in time and history. And they've had to update that as time has marched along. Yeah, it was interesting to see. I don't think Disney has been as explicit as they could have been that Tomorrowland, I think it's Tomorrowland at large, whose theme is now like the future that never was. But that makes a lot more sense because there was no way Tomorrowland was always going to be forward facing, um, as we'll get to in the last scene of Carousel of Progress. And as you said, now the queue for Carousel of Progress, it's just outside the theater. The theater is a gigantic circle. I actually am wondering where I, I can look it up later. Uh, and you can too, if you're curious where they put it in Disneyland, they probably moved it because it just took up so much real estate, but it's a gigantic circle sized theater and the queue, it's just hanging out outside that circle. And then they'll let you in every five minutes or so, uh, every couple of minutes, you know, they'll just let a group in. Now, the reason why they let groups in is because the way that the attraction works is it is the circles divided into six pie slices, essentially, and you load into the first pie slice, which is kind of the starting room and 240 people can sit in the theater at a time. And then it's a carousel of progress. So you just move like every couple minutes, the entire theater just moves and you move to the next scene. And so you go through four scenes and then you, the sixth pie slice is the ending um, and where you get out the ride capacity. I didn't get how many people it takes per hour, but it's 240 per show and you really never have to worry about uh, how crowded it is. So, you know, there's nothing to worry about. So I didn't find the actual ride capacity. Now for the run through, I guess the main feature of this attraction is that there is a immortal dog who is in all the scenes as they go through a century or, or more of progress. Um, and, you know, the dog is kind of a bit of comic relief and, or maybe the dog is representing us, you know, as the observer throughout the whole thing. But the middle four scenes, you know, they depict an audio animatronic family. And Leslie, I am still impressed with these audio animatronics. I mean, you got to think about it. Like the original designs were in 1964, like almost 60 years ago, and they kind of still hold up. No, totally agree. I mean, all of Disney's audio animatronics really do. I mean, think about Pirates of the Caribbean or Tiki Room. And it's it's really impressive that these still sort of stand the test of time. I mean, yes, they they are of an era, and you, you these are these are not what Disney would create today. If you look at something like um, Navi River Journey and the Shaman there, but yeah, it's amazing to see it still does the job. I mean, of course, I'm sure they've repaired them and touched them up and improved them many times over the years, but it does still have this lasting impact. That is what I think one of the things that that we love about Disney. 
for sure. So the four scenes are, you know, they have multiple metaphors going on at the same time. They are depicting four different seasons of the year and holidays associated with those seasons. But then on top of that, they're depicting different points in time as, uh, you know, and this is mostly 20th century, just as technology progressed through the 20th century. So there are a couple of decades uh, ish that these scenes hit Leslie what are the decades we're looking at so the first scene is right around the turn of the century second scene is 1920s the third is kind of post-war you know 1940s uh, suburbia era and then the final scene is a constantly changing now so I guess it was ni- the 1960s when it debuted but now it's somewhere supposed to be 2023 yeah so that last scene it used to be pretty funny because in the 90s or maybe 2000s, it was like grandma wearing these VR goggles and that looked nothing like VR goggles actually look now. And then there was like a gigantic TV, but it also looked like what 1990s people would imagine a gigantic TV would look like. Well, I was watching Big Fat Panda's video and they've actually updated it. The VR goggles that grandma wears look pretty close to you know, the Oculus or whatever VR goggles uh, are in vogue right now. I know VR did not hit as big as people expected. Maybe it will still, who knows, but um, the VR goggles look fairly accurate on grandma and Leslie, the TV looks more like a classic, not class. Well, I guess it is classic because we're old now, but like, it looks like an HD TV that you would see these days. So they are gradually updating things. And like we said, they update the wardrobe as well. And the Earworm song, Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, they have like an updated version of that, although that version was updated in the 90s. So they're trying to, I mean, I would say it's more relevant than Steve Jobs at the end of Spaceship Earth in his garage on that one computer. So they're doing a pretty good job keeping up with the progress in Walt Disney's carousel of progress. So who do you think this attraction for is, Leslie? It is... I, I got to say, it is more of a show than an attraction. We should start with that. Yes, for sure. I mean, this is definitely for people who love the old school Disney, the Disney history. If you like Epcot, you will like Carousel of Progress. It's also just a great place if, you know, lines are long for other attractions, you need a rest, you need air conditioning. I mean, this is where I head if, you know, I'm not, don't really have time to head back to my hotel, but need, but need some downtime and. And this is a great a great thing to watch. I mean, I think many a Disney guest has taken a nap in Carousel of Progress. And I, I, I did the last time I wrote it because I was so tired from sleep deprivation. But but try to stay awake. It's actually really good. <laughs> it's the slow movement of the theater from scene to scene that uh, really soothes you. Um, and I'll say, who may not like this attraction? Unfortunately, like many kids will be bored at this because it is just, you know, it's just a show talking about... I feel like, and not all kids are like this, of course, you know, every kid is different, but the majority of kids, like your average kid, they're not going to be interested in progress over the 20th century, especially because, you know, I was talking to my daughter about this the other day, Leslie, and just kind of like the information age and the growth of technology. And, you know, I was telling her how even when she was born, the technology has moved so far. Whereas like, even when we were growing up, Leslie, it took like 20 years, 15, maybe, for the internet to like become what it is today. You know, it took so much longer for growth and progress to happen. And the carousel of progress really celebrates 
that growth in the 20th century. But like for kids these days, like that type of growth happens in a week, you know, I mean, the growth from like 1900 to 1940, like that happens, you know, it's, it's just minuscule in the timeline for kids. So it is, it is tough for them to sit through it. But at the same time, you know, it does have some of that edutainment that we still do love about Epcot when they still have it at Epcot. And so, you know, maybe you force your kids to sit through it and learn some history kids learn like this is what we had to deal with growing up in the 1920s you and me Leslie <laughs> we had to uh yeah, we grew up our, in the 1920s <laughs> uh, the, yes 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 of course definitely all right there is no uh genie plus lightning lane as we said and standby line strategies really go whenever the only time you're going to see a huge line for this is when it's like pouring out um and so if you see weather coming in maybe uh go ahead and get there early but even then uh, you know a lot of people aren't going there it's not too bad all right what is uh your tier ranking for walt disney's carousel of progress leslie all right it gets a b for me for nostalgia and for air conditioning um you know i don't know how much longer disney is going to keep these old school kind of attractions so i'm throwing it a bone for that please please keep it disney what about you uh you make me feel bad but um you know i have this as a c tier attraction just it's just it's like only the nostalgia that um, keeps it at a C for me and C is passing, but yeah, it, it's a C tier attraction for me. It is one of those attractions where I love that it exists and I want it to continue existing. Um, but I also don't go on it a lot, you know? So it's just kind of one of those things, but there's something to be said for in a theme park, like Walt Disney world, where there's so much history and there is so much change, which there should be, you know, which Disney himself talked about. There's nothing wrong with keeping one or two attractions around for nostalgia purposes, which brings us to really the only reason why I wanted to do this episode. And that is to talk about our third attraction, the people mover, Leslie, let's talk about the people mover, my favorite attraction, my son's favorite attraction, your, I don't know where you rank it. Uh, we'll find out later, but yeah. <laughs> uh, talk to us a little bit about the people mover, Leslie. All right. Also in Tomorrowland, um, it opened in 1967 at Disneyland, where it closed, sadly, um, to make way for the attraction uh, Rocket Rides, which was incredibly short-lived. And so that's our additional little fun fact about the People Mover. But then in Disney World, it opened in 1975. So... Um, and now uh, we should add, I guess, well, another fun fact. We have fun facts coming out the Wazoo Joe in this in this episode. The term people mover is actually now in much wider use to describe many forms of automated public transport, but it is named for this attraction. This attraction is where the, was where the term was coined. Now, another thing that kind of will date people is what they call the people mover because it's had a few previous names. You know, originally it started as the Wedway People Mover. Wedway helped design the original system. WED actually stands for Walter Elias Disney. More fun facts. And the Magic Kingdom system in Walt Disney World was different than Disneyland, actually, because Disneyland used tires to propel the trains um, or whatever you want to call them. And actually Goodyear sponsored it originally in Disneyland. Whereas at Walt Disney world, it's a linear induction system. And my understanding is something, something magnets propulsion, you know, and you can see the magnetic um, tiles that actually make the people mover move. It's not actual wheels turning like they were at Disneyland. But anyway, it opened as the Wedway people mover. And then for a long time, it was called the Tomorrowland transit authority. And then that evolved to the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover. Um, and at this point, people just would call it TTA, or that's I still call it TTA uh, to this day. But 
as of July 2022, Leslie, and I did not even know this until I started doing the research, it's just the people mover now. TTA is gone. I don't know what happened. And bonus, 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 fun fact, at the time of recording, this is the only Magic Kingdom attraction with a corporate sponsor, Enterprise. So Enterprise, do we have you to blame for getting rid of TTA? I don't know, but uh, it's going to always be TTA in my heart. See, I never adjusted to TTA. It was always people mover in my heart. So, you know, what's old is new again. We're the same age, Leslie. But anyway. <laughs> I'm older than you are, Jeff. <laughs> uh, barely, barely. Barely. <laughs> okay, so there's no height requirement for this attraction or any of the attractions in this episode. And Disney says, embark on a 10-minute tour of Tomorrowland aboard this mass transit system of the future. The queue is just in the same area as the Astro Orbiter queue. It's just a different set of uh, switchbacks. Don't get mixed up with the Astro Orbiter queue and wait in that queue by mistake. And of course, there's no pre-shows. Now, this is one of the highest ride capacities, if not the highest ride capacity in Walt Disney World. I saw numbers up as high as 4,600 per hour, but definitely over 4,000 people per hour at max loading. Although the nice thing about the people mover is that you know, they will not load cars out full. Like you're not gonna have to sit with strangers or anything like that in your car. Um, and so when you get into the car, it's just like, it's these blue train like vehicles, they're open air. And there's just two blue benches sitting across from each other. And you can fit four adults to a car comfortably, or you can squeeze in five people if they're kids involved, you know, and it's just, it's just a nice ride. So talk to us about the ride run through Leslie, where does the people mover go in Tomorrowland? All right. One thing we should mention about the queue, though, is that you do go up this like slanted escalator, um, not even an escalator because it's not there's no stairs on it, but moving walkway, I guess, is the accurate term. So you do go up that to reach the level where the ride loads. So and then you come down at the end. So ride run through you basically are touring Tomorrowland um, on this upper level track and you're passing by pretty much every attraction, getting views of them, Speedway, Buzz Lightyear, Carousel of Progress. You're actually going into and through part of Space Mountain. And there are mentions, of course, now of Tron, which you can see off of the edge in one place. And, you know, it's going to be opening, we should mention, on April the 4th. And you sometimes even get a peek of the train going by um, in a nearby tunnel. So there really are just a lot of things to look at. You're getting this sort of upper level view and looking down below on guests um, walking around Tomorrowland. And one of the most fun things to see is a large diorama containing a portion of Epcot, um, Progress City. It's a model that you can take a look at. So again, a, a tip of the hat to the Disney geeks among us. And that originally resided in the upper level of the uh, Carousel of Progress at the New York's World's Fair in 64. Yeah, it's a nice ride and does give you a nice, I, I think like it feels like it was originally there to just give you a tour of Tomorrowland to know what attractions were out there. Now, who is this attraction for? I do feel like for people who enjoy Disney history, well, I don't need to tell you because if you enjoy Disney history, you're probably already riding the People Mover. Uh, if you or your kids like train rides, like my son, enjoy the wind in your hair, want to take a relaxing ride, you know, this is attraction is for any of you. Leslie, I'm going to have to throw it to you for who might not like this attraction because I wrote in the notes, I don't know, monsters, question mark. So, uh, you know, I'm obviously <laughs> a little bit biased. If you don't I apologize if, if you, I've offended you. 
<laughs> if you don't like this attraction, you are dead to us, right, Joe? <laughs> yes, please do not write in if you don't like this attraction. <laughs> but um, yes, who might not like it? I, I guess some might say it's boring. I don't. Yeah, know. I mean, I think some people who are really into thrill rides, I mean, teens might not appreciate the history and they want the, the need for speed, something like that. But I mean, I always just really enjoy it. Even if I didn't get the view and the history and all of that, I mean, it's a much cooler ride. It's a great attraction as you start to get into sort of the heat of the day, but you're not like quite giving into the air conditioning yet. It's kind of a nice little moderate attraction that lets you sit down and still see a lot while you're taking a rest. All right. So no lightning lane or genie plus same thing for this attraction, either standby line tips early and late. Uh, it'll be very easy really after five, 6 PM, it is going to be less than 10 minutes, no matter how it looks. And the line moves fast. And I think that's what I would say about this line. I've never had to wait in line for it for longer than 25 minutes. I don't think you like if you time it right, you're never going to have to wait long in a line for the people mover. Like I only waited in line for 25 minutes because my son really wanted to um, go at that exact moment. So I waited in line 25 minutes with him. But the line moves really quickly. Like we said, the ride capacity is huge. So the attraction loads very quickly. So unless it breaks down or something, you are not going to have an issue. So I really like riding it both in the day and at night. You know, it just gives you different views of Tomorrowland and the park in general. And if you are nuts like me, you can rope drop it. See our uh, previous trip report from uh, my trip back in January. All right, Leslie, tier ranking for People Mover. Do I need to get a new podcast co-host better not be too low <laughs> it's getting an a for me and this is probably the only non thrill ride that i have given an a to and again it's because it does still stand the test of time it gives you great views um it's a great ride experience it doesn't feel like carousel of progress does that it should be retired it should be there and i and in fact should go on record please bring it back in in disneyland i don't think they can i think it the infrastructure has crumbled but Please bring it back if they can. Please. It's sad at Disneyland, like the track, you can see where the track goes um, and it's not there. I'm pretty sure you gave Jungle Cruise an A tier uh, ranking, by the way. But, um, you know, don't go back and listen to that and uh, call us out on forgetting what we've said in the past. All right. This is a S tier attraction for me. Am I overrating it? Yes, probably. But it is an S tier attraction for me. Like, I just love this attraction so much. I think... Like, I always loved it as a kid. I mean, my parents told me stories about how I'd ride it. Like, they, I would force them to ride it, like, three times in a row when I was, like, eight, nine years old because I loved it so much when I was a kid. Well, now that I have a seven-year-old myself who is forcing me to do the same things or willing to do the same things with me, it just, like, kind of, you know, so it just hits all the pleasure centers for me. Nostalgia. It's relaxing. It's got some Disney history in there, family memories in there too. So, you know, this is an S tier attraction for me. I'm obviously extremely biased. Um, but you know, that's, that's where it is. It's like, this is, this is the fastest I've come up with a tier ranking for any of the attractions we've done. No one can ever find out whether I'm telling the truth about that or not, because you can't look inside my brain. So, you know, good stuff. All right, Joe, we love that attraction. So let's close it out with a traditional Disney do or don't. All right. Uh, my Disney do besides do definitely ride on the people mover or at least give it a try. If you haven't yet, um, you definitely should give it a try. But uh, my Disney do is for Tomorrowland. 
I think it's one of those places where you can just really watch the lines and see how they are. Carousel of Progress, you can ride anytime. But People Mover, Astro Orbiters, you know, just watch the lines. And if you see a short line for either of those attractions, go ahead and ride it. So I would say that these are attractions where, like, if you see a short line, go ahead and do it. Um, you won't regret it. I mean, you might regret it a little for Astro Orbiter, but at least you'll get a nice view. These are these are classic attractions and kind of classic Disney for a reason. Um, and so they are worth a try. So my Disney do, again, is do ride these attractions and do hop in line if the lines are short. The obvious exception is do not get on the people mover at rope drop unless you want to lose 20 minutes of your day. I mean, I'm happy to do that, but uh, you may not want to hop in a short line and people mover early in the day because there's so many other attractions you can ride. But if you're honestly, if you're like doing a relaxing day at Disney, like, you know, Leslie, if I don't know, I don't know. I don't, I cannot imagine a scenario that this would ever happen. But if you and I were hanging out in the magic kingdom and we were, I don't know, we we're talking about work or something, or we we're just hanging out, you know, we, we're, we're not like, maybe it's like our second magic kingdom day on a trip or something like that. And we don't have a lot of things to do. Then th that's the day that you just like get on the people mover, hang out with your friends, you know, and just enjoy the people mover together. That's never going to happen, Leslie, until it does between us, at least one day when we don't have young kids. It will happen. When we're retired, we'll go ride the people mover together. <laughs> well, yeah, because when we're retired, we're not going to be able to get into those Astro Orbiter rockets. I'll no. tell you that much. <laughs> Definitely not happening. All right. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know if I way overrated people mover and we way underrated Carousel of Progress, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at www.deciphered on Twitter, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, DisneyDeciphered. Again, you can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash at DisneyDeciphered. Shout out again to Big Fat Panda for letting us use your videos for the YouTube video version. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, and I'll see you. Uh, I was going to say, I was going to see you falling into the rockets at Asher over, <laughs> but that seems too mean. So we'll just end it here. <laughs> Thanks, Joe.